Hello, this is episode 194 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Dr. Nisha Riley. This episode, you create unconditional in the extremes. Either in a place of unconditional love and security such as I grew up in, or a place of total neglect that others have so bravely rewritten for what they didn't have themselves. In the middle ground, it's so easy to just follow the conditions, to feel these are what is needed for sustainability. That's how it all needs to be. It's ironic, you need a security within yourself to show your insecurities and to show your vulnerability and to accept difference. One of the most striking things I find about my students is that nobody wants to be different. I don't ever remember a moment where I didn't love difference and I didn't want to be different and that I particularly wanted to hide being different in any way. One of the simplest ways I see this is that I never had any difficulty wearing red glasses in school. In fact, getting my red glasses when I was 14 was life-changing because I suddenly realised there was lines on the copybooks. I'd never known up until that point that there were. There was just so much noise on the page I couldn't actually see them. But many of the students I work with, I know, would never wear red glasses to school. I had to laugh as I inhaled John Lewis's book, Across That Bridge, over the weekend. And he gives the advice on how you need to build alliances before you step out and voice your opinions. That there's no going back. That you can expect an equal force back on you. He quotes Newton's third law of motion. The one I see as the law of reaction. Which is why I always say that humanity would be better if we all studied physics, but that there's an equal and opposite force to every action. I stepped off that cliff some time ago, and I've never really had anyone to depend on in that task, except for myself. My folks support me, but they've never had a part in my work. I always feel that they built me to go out into the battlefield. And they're still getting over the fact that I never actually shared with them how bad school was. Not because I couldn't, but because I saw those as my battles to win. I always had the security of knowing that I could go back and ask them to move in as, you know, the second battalion to take over. But I did ultimately see myself as strong enough to win those battles. And I find that quite strange now, because... Those battles started when I was very young, when I was six and seven. And when I meet people who are six and seven now, they seem tiny to me. But I didn't feel tiny at the time. I've been fortunate enough to work with many talented people, especially since I started the Homework Club. But I've always seen it as my responsibility to support them as well, not the other way around. And I guess I've continued the way I fought my battles in school and college without the expectation of anyone to rely on but myself. This is the strength that I've never questioned. And I'm finally starting to understand why people always see me as the strong one. But I, I, I never questioned what that was made of before, which is why I started writing a little over two years ago now. But you can also create the same strength in the extremes, in the neglect. It's either that you strap out into the world from a very strong base, 
or you strive to create for others what you never had yourself or those around you never had. It's just too easy to continue in existence of less than perfect with no grounding or no battles. You can just continue in that space. Unconditional love, secureness and awareness and acceptance of difference all go together, I now realise. I see the same theme as I work my way through June Jordan's Some of Us Did Not Die. I often read books together that show great parallels and neither John Lewis or June Jordan wanted the reaction we got to 9-11. It's almost two decades on and we're still dealing with the fallout of the reaction that took place and everybody remembers where they were for that moment. And I remember turning to the person beside me and saying, because this is being shown on mass media, the reaction to this will be so different. But to have sought another one would have required disordered secureness and unconditional that we still haven't built in humanity. And in many ways, this pandemic is making me feel that we're getting further away from this. Many of the posts I read show to me that we're still selfish and that we're not secure enough to take actions based on others. Every post I read which talks about herd immunity and a somehow acceptable death rate has missed the point of humanity. And I'm delighted that Woes Today has come out and told humanity that herd immunity is unethical. I think I needed to hear someone say those words because it's what I've felt since the beginning. I'm still remembering the video that was sent to me with the bucket of water and the water flowing out of the bucket. And I'm thinking, that represents the people dying here. And I look at Iceland and I see the level of individual responsibility present. It's the one country that is very quietly beaten this virus. And I will always remember going to an Icelandic band in Dublin. It was part of the Fringe Festival a number of years ago. And it being one of the most wonderful experiences with a whole room full of conscientious people. I've never been in a room with that many people that had such consideration. Everyone sat down on the floor, unasked, because they realised that if they did this, everyone else will be able to see. And I can't pronounce the band, but I'll write it in the description. It's spelled A-M-I-I-N-A. And the song you should look up is called What Are We Waiting For? What we're waiting for is the people in the middle ground who don't see anything wrong with self-existence to achieve security so they can look beyond their own needs to somewhere unconditional. That's what we're waiting for as a humanity still.